ease to the headphones. We're recording live from the 617. Thanks for listening to us today. You could have been listening to anything else right now, but you're listening to us, and that's awesome. That is awesome. We appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today on The Business of Being Awesome, the podcast for the practical daydreamers who believe in finding meaning in their work. Hey there, Bazoba Ballers. Glad you're here with us and hope you're off to an awesome day, night, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Because you're awesome, you already know how to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and follow us on social media. Am I right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Also, we're really excited that we have a hashtag Bazoba Power Songs playlist on Spotify. So if you search hashtag Bazoba Power Songs, you'll find all of our episode power songs from our guests from both seasons one and two. And we think it's a pretty kick-ass pump up playlist. So definitely check that out and subscribe. We'll be adding our guest power songs as we go. Yeah, and this is a great opportunity for you to go back and listen to previous episodes to hear the stories and interviews behind those power songs. We are winding down season two at this point with only one episode remaining after this one. But the one today is seriously, seriously epic. We've got Mickey Agarwal on air, and she is a woman of many hats. Actually, if you look at pretty much any picture of her online, you'll see a lot of hats. But she's probably best known as being the co-founder of Thinks, tagline of which is underwear for women with periods. Sounds straightforward, and if you're a girl, you've probably heard of these, and if you're a guy and haven't, you almost certainly know someone who has. Especially if you live in New York and saw a very suggestive pink grapefruit ad on the subway uh, about this time last year. Hard to miss those subway ads, so go Mickey. And before we dive in, we'll kick off this episode, as we always do, with our Moment of Awesome segment. Moment of Awesome! So my Moment of Awesome this week was actually going to Seder dinner with Erica to celebrate the lovely Jewish holiday of Passover, and I learned more about the meaning of this holiday and had a fantastic dinner, so we went to Robin Gannick's house... Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Robin. It was delicious. I ate so much horseradish. It was amazing. (laughs) And we whacked each other with some scallions, which I really enjoy scallions. So it was just great. And hashtag feed Lily definitely happened. Yeah, definitely got to experience alternative interpretations of the Jewish tradition that Saturday. Thanks for inviting me, Erica. Yeah, anytime. I love to show people the best of Jewish culture. And Passover, if you subtract the matzah, because I'm not a fan of matzah and being gluten-free, I can't even have it. Um, Everything else about Passover is really wonderful and symbolic. So I'm glad you were able to join. It was lovely. Yeah, I guess the other thing to celebrate, aside from, you know, next year in Jerusalem, as most satyrs of Passover end, was... uh, I guess a few weeks ago on the business of being awesome, I talked about submitting a thing to The Economist, and... What happened, Erica? It looks like it'll be published in May. (laughs) Or I guess later this month, given when this is airing. I'm so, so excited for you and proud, and everybody definitely go check out her blog post, right? It's an Economist blog? Yeah, it's a blog called Which MBA, and I forget the title of my own article, but it's some series of the words unconventionally, unapologetically, yeah, God, unexpectedly, unconsciously, unapologetically in business. I love it. So much in the business of being awesome. So yes, check that out. Economist, we're coming for you. Oh wait, maybe it wasn't unconsciously. 
yeah, unexpectedly, unconventionally, unapologetically in business. So yeah, stay tuned. Remembering your own titles. <laughs> That's a lot of use. <laughs> um, and our collective moment of awesome. So we've been getting a lot of really good press from people in the podcast community. Shout out to Brittany of the podcast broadcast, mm-hmm. the Princeton Alumni Weekly for featuring Erica along with Allison Berenger from The Intern as well as MIT, Sloan School of Management. Thanks, MIT. And we got a really surprising article as well from Top MBA by Tim Duell. So we were really, really pleasantly surprised about this and definitely makes our hashtag moment of awesome. So thank you to everybody who has been supporting us and um and writing about us in the press it's kind of weird yeah tim i can't find your twitter to tweet at you but when i do you're going to get a very very affectionate tweet yes Um, email us episode podcast at gmail.com at gmail.com and i guess on the subject of social media we're still experimenting because this is mit and we often record this in an entrepreneurship center um so in the spirit of play and iteration uh we're extending the hashtag busy being awesome to incorporate people you want to highlight in the world who are doing awesome work, whether it's like something like your mom, I mean, Mother's Day will be coming up close to this episode. Yeah. Or in this case, I mean, I think busy being awesome this week would not be complete without the one, the only uh, Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce Knowles. I'm busy, busy being awesome. Lemonade. One more. Need I say more? It may be a hashtag that is a contender for the quote-unquote breaking the internet. Kanye, watch out. I would agree. And um, I think even beyond that, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but no. it's just such a relevant idea, not just to our own episode, but in general, about how you take personal and professional struggles, your lemons as you will, and turn them into lemonade. I know. So, just Queen. I, I, I usually don't Yes, queen, but she's the exception. <laughs> yeah, and also, again, Busy Being Awesome this week was brought to you by Beyonce and Lemonade. But if you see someone doing something awesome, hashtag Busy Being Awesome, we would love to hear about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and now, without further ado, we're proud to continue last week's period pieces mm-hmm. where we interviewed Kieran Gandhi with another feminist powerhouse Mickey Agarwal. And I guess both of these interviews have come by in in very serendipitous ways. So I actually met Mickey in New York Mm -hmm. in my... I actually wrote my MIT Sloan essay, one of them, about um, about meeting Mickey. Yes. And I... I, Yeah. I was like randomly seeing in a really tiny sushi place in West Village and there were maybe three people in the audience, Mickey Agarwal being one of them. Hmm. So we both went to Cornell and somehow while I was on stage just like singing my Nora Jones mm. <laughs> and being really terrified of doing that in front of three people. Uh, yeah, Mickey was, we basically somehow figured out that both of us went to Cornell. So I was actually, I spent some time at her pizza shop, which is now called Wild. Formerly so that was one of her, one of her um, I guess, first ventures as a serial entrepreneur. And now it's, uh, it was formerly Slice and now it's Wild. So... This is all wild. We are definitely proud to have her on. Yeah, so off her own website, I mean, this this could not be truer after having interviewed her. Mickey is a dreamer and a doer and a force of nature. 
Yes. Among her many accolades, uh, she was named the 2015 Social Entrepreneur of the Year at the World Tech Awards. And thinks her most recent venture was named Time Magazine's 25 Best New Inventions of 2015. And you will absolutely hear why and what comes next. Bazova is proud to feature Nikki Aberwall. We're back with the business of being awesome, and we've got Mickey Agrawal with us. I met Mickey back, I guess, six years ago when she was still opening her pizza shop slice in the West Village, and so very, very fortunate now to be speaking with her about her new endeavors. Welcome, Mickey, to the business of being awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and so one of the ways that we like to kick off interviews and the whole podcast in general is sharing a moment of awesome for the week that made us feel like we were on top of the world and climbing the ladder towards reaching our dreams or actually reaching them. So we'd love to know what your moment of awesome was for this week. Moment of awesome. I would say my moment of awesome for this week was when... I was giving a talk uh, out of town at a college in the middle of like Pennsylvania and after my talk a bunch of girls came up to me and they literally like pulled their pants down (laughs) to show me that they were wearing thinks which was really you know I, I kind of love to sort of relate that to being a musician and people who are singing your songs along with you so people who really understand and appreciate the lyrics of, of music in the same way that people appreciate the hard work that you put in to create a product that really works for women and to see it being worn and 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 used with with happiness and is is really it's like there's nothing like it there's no feeling like it i mean from the from the musician's analogy that's a great sort of way to put it in perspective and and I'm sure that's that's something that keeps you going um, strong through through all of the the bumps up and down. Yeah, I would say road. I would say that, and of course, you know, the impact that we're having on girls around the world as well. I mean, Absolutely. beyond just really mm-hmm. breaking the taboo and doing our best to change culture here in the U.S. and in the developed world, where you were you know bringing innovation to a feminine hygiene category, a category that no one's really talked about or or innovated in in. in 50 years, really only three major innovations in the entire 20th century in the, for the first world. So beyond just really coming up with a new innovation for the first world, we're also really excited about supporting women in the developing world. And, you know, to date, we've helped already almost 40,000 girls go back to school. And uh, we have the capacity to help 200,000 girls go back to school. And we're working on building girls clubs around the world as well to create safe spaces for girls to learn about their bodies and yeah. things like that. I think that does a lot, whole lot more good than the only other innovation I can say I've witnessed in the hygiene space, which was a product, an infomercial company I worked at before college called The Comfort Wipe, which looks like something out of Comedy Central. But no. It what was, was a, it? Um, it was like an extender that could like hold your toilet paper for oh, you God. so that you didn't have to reach around to, to wipe your butt. Instead of getting a bidet. Instead of getting a bidet, like a tushy. Like a tushy. Like a tushy, which <laughs> yeah. brings us to. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we will get there for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, so I think we'll just start off with, you know, how how you got to where you got to and sort of what your journey has been. I know from reading your book, Do Cool Shit, a bit about your story and, you know, the deciding moments, the inflection points where you decided to really chase what you were going after and if you can kind of talk about that journey and that process. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I graduated from Cornell University and mm-hmm. um, got a job in, yeah, go Big Red. <laughs> um, got a job in investment banking on Wall Street at Douche Bank. I mean, Deutsche Bank. <laughs> um, I was there that summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I did the two-month training program in June and July and, and August, really. It's July and August and officially started my job September 1st, 2001. Oh, and... Wow. My subway stop every single morning was to World Trade Center. I think you read part of that story in my yeah. book. But um, really, uh, so 9-11 happened. I was supposed to be there on that day. And 700 people in my girlfriend's office died. Two people in my office died. It was a crazy, crazy day. And that was the first and only day in my life that I slept to my alarm clock. So it was a really sort of gigantic aha moment for me mm-hmm. to really like wake up and pursue my dreams. And I was lucky, you know, I mean, in, in some sense that I was 22 years old and I didn't I wasn't 32 when this happened. I had that wake-up call at 22, the jolting, you know, and the reality of how fragile and how fleeting life is was felt very at the very beginning of my career. And so that's when I was like, all right, screw this. I'm not going to be a banker. I hate this. It's the worst. <laughs> so I wrote down three things I wanted to do with my life. The first was to play soccer professionally, mm-hmm. and the second was to make movies, and the third was to start a business. And um, and I did all three. I, I played soccer for the New York Magic. I did have three ACL reconstructions thereafter, so yep. didn't really fully actualize my soccer career, but had some glory moments for sure. Yeah. I worked in the film business after that, working my way up from production assistant to producing commercials and music videos, which was really awesome, and um, working on for people like Beyonce and Justin Timberlake and, and Victoria's Secret and just a bunch of you know cool commercials and music videos. I got a chance to really be a part of and learn I learned a lot how to project manage you know how to project manage then Mm. how to put together a crew a cast you know how to get the venue how to get the food how to get the everyone there on time how to make (laughs) sure you delivered a product that was really good on time to the client it was a very great learning in project like finances like make sure everything balanced out at the end closing everything up and reconciling the books and it was a great learning experience for me and a very transferable skill set I think if you have project management skills or ability to do that then you can start a business it's pretty similar across the board um, whether mm-hmm. you're in any industry mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. while I was while I was in the film business is when I had the sort of first idea of my first business which was born out of stomach aches mm-hmm. I just kept having stomach aches on set of the commercials and it was really irritating and um, I just went home one day and just and GTS'd it um, GTS my favorite thing to say which is google that shit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and so discover this huge you know massive processed food industry and it was just like really impacting the way americans and, and humans reacted to food and causing allergies and um inflammation and and uh, inco- intolerances and things like that and so the first idea was oh my gosh can i create a pair uh, can i create a, mm-hmm. a pizza concept you know because i had thought about the foods that i'd given up and I love pizza and Americans love pizza. You know, this, the stat I love giving out is that Americans eat 100 acres of pizza every single day. It makes me feel like a pizza cow, except I haven't had pizza in four years. <laughs> yeah, well, you can have my pizza. Cause <laughs> yes, because it's, yes. it's gluten free. Yeah, exactly. Celiac disease. So. Oh, well, hello. Why, why haven't you been there yet? <laughs> I know. No, we're actually Tonight planning to go. <laughs> okay, right you, should come, you should come to Wild for sure. You'll love it. Um, yeah. So just uh, realized that, you know, wow, the pizza industry is a huge industry, but people like you who have issues and intolerances couldn't find, you know, uh, the alternative to that back in 2004, 2005. Yeah. And so 
that was just been like, oh my God, what if we can create an alternative pizza concept? A uh, concept that offered gluten-free, you know, flowers and uh, mm-hmm. whole wheat flowers at the time, but now we're all gluten-free. Gluten-free flowers, hormone-free cheeses, um, local seasonal toppings, mm-hmm. rather than putting like fresh, uh, tons of sugar in the sauce to cut the acid, you use like fresh carrots and fresh onions and naturally sweetened sauce. So it was really like thinking about what are the things I want to eat that won't Mm. hurt my stomach. And so without really any experience, without any understanding of business, which was, whoa, what a... The next seven years were a bitch slap to my face (laughs) uh, over and over again. My hair being dragged through mud. And yeah, so... um, (laughs) I'm saying it now. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... um, So... Yeah, so I opened the restaurant on the Upper East Side, raised the money for it, and my book talks all about exactly how I raised the money, exactly how I got the New York Times to write about us, the whole story of yeah. how I built the restaurant mm-hmm. business, all the mistakes and all. And so I opened my restaurant on the Upper East Side and then of New York City, and then opened my restaurant in the West Village, mm-hmm. which is staple favorite spot. Moved officially up Upper East Side to West Village, then opened one in downtown Las Vegas with a downtown project with Tony Shea and I subsequently mm-hmm. sold it back to him I just couldn't make it down there too much and then opened one in Williamsburg Brooklyn and we're hopefully set to open one in Park Slope oh. up too, which is uh, quite a, not, it's not done yet but almost um, so yeah it was the first business and one of the biggest realizations I had working in the restaurant business and this you know stayed with me you know since then is the concept that you have to do what you know you're best at. If you focus on things that you suck at or that you might not love, then it'll be much harder to run and grow a business because you'll be so bogged down by the stuff that you suck at. And so for me, I'm, I'm not an operations person. I'm the creative. I'm the idea, mm-hmm. concept, design, marketing, PR, events, partnerships. Like That's like where my bread and butter is. And operations and finance although i study investment bank i worked in investment bank and yeah um, which just it's not my favorite thing to do i just don't yeah. love it i could do it i just not <laughs> love it and so um so bringing on an operating partner for the restaurants was the best thing i've ever done and waleed has transformed my life he is he can execute on my vision better than i possibly can myself mm. and he's a restaurateur through and through he's an operator through mm. and through and literally the the week he took over the restaurant, after seven years of me almost killing myself, yeah. within one week, our numbers doubled. Wow. wow. Within a month, our numbers That's tripled. Crazy. And I was like, kill me now. <laughs> like seven years of <laughs> dying. And I was, guy comes in one week in, or like doubling. I'm like, oh my yeah, God. Like, why didn't I do this sooner? I suck. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, that must have been like a shot to the ego. Almost. Oh my God. It was... <laughs> Well, I mean, I tried hiring people in the past, and they, you yeah. know, I had, I was sued, I was robbed, I was, I mean, oh, you man. name really? it, like stuff happened. Yeah, so I got, I went through it, and so I, it took me a while to find my, I call the genie in the Aladdin's lamp, like mm-hmm. Waleed's my genie, like I feel like <laughs> rubbed the lamp, and his name is Waleed, my restaurant's wild, he's like, wild, Waleed, Waleed, wild, like, this is perfect, uh, <laughs> and he literally sounds like, he could be from, like, he literally sounds like the genie, it's unbelievable. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, so he, um, he, when he took over, he freed my, freed up my time to focus on our next business, which was also born out of necessity. You know, necessity mm-hmm. is the mother of invention. It's a, absolutely, you know, rather than bitching about something, you might as well just solve the problem. Right. Um, yeah. so every single month kept having monthly period accidents running from one restaurant to another. It was so irritating. And so, you know, finally said enough is enough and went again to the GTSing of it. And um, in that discovered 
that there have only been three major innovations in the feminine hygiene category, as I said, and they're still leaking, still staining, still having problems, mm-hmm. still giving, giving women toxic shock syndrome. I mean, like, just bad. Back in 2005, my twin sister Rada and I were defending our three-legged race championship title at our family barbecue. Yes, I read about this Agripalooza. in your book. Yep. Yes. And in the middle of the three-legged race, my twin sister Rada started her period. And so we had to still rush together and um, sprint to the bathroom so she can change out her bathing suit bottoms. And in the middle, uh, and while she was washing out the blood um, from the bathing suit, that's when the idea hit. We, we were both like, what if, what if we create a pair of underwear that never leak, that never stain, that absorb blood, that supported women every day of the month during very important races like these? Yes. And, um, and then we thought about, you know, our sister who's a surgeon and she's in the middle of, a, you know, reconstructive face surgery. My sister's a head and neck surgeon. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, face, just wait right there while you're open. I'm going to go change my tampon. <laughs> you can't do that. Or if you're like playing soccer in the middle of a game, you can't be like, yo, ref, can you just... Blow the whistle. Oh, she got my, I'm leaking. I gotta, you know, or you can't, you're like, you're stuck in traffic. You're at a concert. You're taking a test. You're in a meeting. I know. It's like any situation yeah. that could happen and you're not safe. So, yeah. So it was just, that was the aha moment that we had and brought in a third, you know, co-founder and launched the idea in 2011, officially launched it. Well, actually in 2010, so 2005, my sister and I had the idea. 2010, I went to South Africa for the World Cup. And while I was there, I discovered that over 100 million girls were missing a week of school. And it was just a crazy realization. You know, I met a girl and asked her, why, why aren't you in school? And she said to me, it's my week of shame. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, when I have my period, I stay at home. And I said, why? And she said, well, I tried using leaves and, you know, old rags, bits of mattresses or whatever I can find. None of it worked. And, you know, every time I went to write in the chalkboard, the thing would fall down. All the boys would laugh at me. And eventually I stopped going. So I was just like what and i came back super pissed off and discovered that over 100 million girls were missing a week of school and millions of those girls are dropping out of school and we, we kind of take a pause for a second and like close our eyes and we can think about how lucky we are to be born where we are i mean how how li- literally we won the lottery of life and that absolutely could have been a reality i mean mm-hmm. you know i'm sitting in that right now and thinking about you know, my father came to this country with $5 in his pocket and one generation put three kids through Ivy League schools, you know. But that could have been a reality. Had he made one or two turns and obviously, you know, me and my mother, I wouldn't be here. But just thinking about all the pop probabilities and of us being where we are where we are here oh, yeah. versus where we're, someone else is right now shitting outside every day of the rest of their lives. Open defecation, not having clean water, having dysentery. When you have an accident or you're sick, you have nowhere to go. You might die. I mean, it's just like this is happening right now on this very same planet that we're having this podcast. It's just how lucky are we, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's what I, I realized. You know, we needed to you know come back and resurrect the idea, and so brought in a third co-founder, and we set out to develop uh, the first period underwear that was actually looked and felt like a regular pair of underwear. So it wasn't right. bulky, yeah, but it was also had the you know, very important technology that we needed, which was the innermost layer of the underwear had to be moisture wicking. So you had to wick through so you, so you felt dry the whole time. So when you bled into it, it wick through. It had to also be antimicrobial. So you had no germs. Because mm. when, when I have my period, I'm a cleaner. Like, mm. I, I like, hate messy anything. And I, you know, it's because we're, like, nesting. So it had to be, it had to be clean. It also had to be absorbent. Mm. And you had to make sure you absorbed up to two full tampons worth. It had to be leak proof. 
And again, it had to look and feel like a regular sexy pair of underwear. And so all those little considerations took years, almost four years, three and a half years to make. We officially launched in 2014. We launched a Kickstarter mm-hmm. in 2013. We surpassed our goal. We had a $50,000 goal. We, we raised 65K and then we won a $25,000 cash prize beating out 150 teams. We then did another Indiegogo campaign so we could talk about the mission because Kickstarter doesn't let you talk about your mission. They only talk about product. So mm-hmm. we did another Indiegogo and we we, la- we raised another 20000 there. And then we, we launched a very crappy website. So altogether, we cobbled about $130,000 to produce our first 3,000 pairs. And um, and then we delivered those to our first customers through Kickstarter. And and then we started listening and then just listened and iterated and, oh, the leg holes are too tight or this or that. And, and then we raised an angel round between 2013-2014 and then officially launched in beta in 2014. And then had our sort of big breakthrough breakout launch in May of 2015. So really not too long ago. And since yeah. then went from four to 30 employees, you know, um, and just yep. exploded, which is awesome. Yeah. And you're just, you know feeling all of that right now <laughs> going through growing pains for yes. sure i was just kind of uh, making the analogy of like when you when you hit your growth spurt <laughs> you get like weird you're like oh my god my voice is deeper well i don't even understand oh wow my legs are longer how do i run again i don't remember mm-hmm. how to run oh wow t- bending all the way down there tie my shoelace that seems like crazy <laughs> oh wow like coordinating i feel mm-hmm. so uncoordinated and lanky like that's the same thing of going a business there are moments where you mm-hmm. feel that and then you stabilize and then you're like okay i can run again mm-hmm. oh yeah okay i can throw a ball again oh i can talk again <laughs> <laughs> um so that's definitely a feeling that's being had right now mm-hmm. oh yeah so in the midst of all the you know hype and growth for things what keeps you sane and doing yeah. and like capable to do what you love and love what you do um i mean i have a, an amazing community of friends in New York and otherwise and a lot of them are entrepreneurs a lot of them are leaders in their companies and they just they just we just get each other you know it's very lonely at the top and when you have friends who are also entrepreneurs and also leaders who are also like at the top of their own little islands you get to go and compare notes they're not competing we get to be like oh my god I went through this you went through this too oh my god like why didn't we talk about this like six months ago I felt like I was by myself and there really are, again, similarities across the board in any industry that you can just relate, you know, dealing with mm-hmm. employees, dealing with the board, dealing with, you know, growing a business, dealing with press, dealing with good press, bad press, dealing with, you know, all kinds of things, dealing yeah. with, you know, envious people, dealing with people who um, want you to fail, dealing with, you know, it's just like dealing with internet, you know, what are you, bullies the or trolls. like the trolls, yeah. you know, like... All that stuff. You just have to block and tackle. And you have to learn how to do that. And, you know, at first you get hit and you're like, oh, my God, that hurt. I just cried. It just took me three weeks to that wound. And, whoa, a new blow from employees or a new blow from board or a new blow from writers or a new blow from here. And then you just tend to your wound. Then you get stronger and you develop, mm. like, calloused hands. <laughs> you know, you develop the sort of strength but they the scar tissue forms you can blow through stuff and that's what i'm going through right now i'm getting a lot of blows but i'm i'm feeling and and a lot of great things too like no question but you know when the highs are high the lows are low too and i feel like you know the higher you go the harder you can fall and Mm -hmm. there are things that that you know i'm getting exposed to for the first time which are great challenges and it's just about recalibrating and and reconnecting with my friends and asking you know talking with them about what they're going through i've also started seeing a life coach you know over the last two years year and three quarters it's 
completely transformed my life. I mean, she just has my back, like front and back and insides and out <laughs> and, um, and just gets me and gets what I'm trying to build and gets the movement that we're trying to create and, and will help me not let anything get in the way of that. And how to communicate that mission and dream to others is oftentimes a challenge when you're dealing with different generations. You're dealing with people oh, who yeah. expect a lot, demand a lot, Lots and, of different and views. you know, and yeah. uh, sometimes can be entitled. And mm-hmm. to manage that sometimes with grace doesn't happen. But to to have someone to throw up to every week and to say, this happened, that happened. They have expertise in culture. They have expertise in leadership. They have expertise in cleaning shit up you know, cleaning up people's integrity with that comes a lot of new learnings and safety and security and recalibrating and restabilizing. And so that's what I'm, I'm leaning on right now. Yeah, you also mentioned that one of the cool relationships you have in your life with an entrepreneur is your partner. Yeah, I have an amazing, amazing, amazing love in my life. He and I met at, at Summit Series, his entrepreneurship conference in 2011. And we just became friends because you know, we're all single and having fun. Um, <laughs> I just broken up with someone before, and I was just having a good time, and so I wasn't. We were just friends, and so, cut to um, six months later, April, May, June, July, August. No, four months later, mm-hmm. we went to Burning Man together for the first time. Yeah. My first burn, oh, he, wow. his first burn, and within three days, we were married. Oh my Burning gosh! Man. Yeah, so. <laughs> That was back in 2000, August 2011. We fell in love. Within three days, we got married. Reverend Funk Pocket married us at the Pier to Nowhere at Burning Man at Sundown. <laughs> and we had 25 strangers came to our wedding. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and uh, we knew nobody, and we barely knew each other, but we knew that something deep was profound happened over the next previous three days. Wow. That it was so it was so wow. unavoidable. And, and we've been together ever since, and it's been like... Again, you know, a beautiful journey of, of learnings and, you know, nothing's easy, but, you know, he's the best partner I've ever had and a true champion of mine, again, has my front and back and insides and out. And anytime I fall and hurt my knees and get punched in the face, he is there right there tending to my wounds and um, and lifting me up and making me feel fully powerful and his queen. And he's an entrepreneur as well. He's a company called Tribute with a tagline, the most meaningful gift on earth. And he's making collaborative videos technology really oh, easy. Wow. So if you if you want to create a tribute for her, each other, you know, you just send a, a quickly go to tribute.co. You drop all the email addresses of friends and family into um, into the platform, and it automatically sends emails to every one of those people. It automatically sends reminders. It tells people how to shoot the video. You know, um, telling you like take a one minute video about you know, Lily and telling her why you love her and how she's impacted your life. And then all, as soon as you hit submit, it automatically compiles onto your dashboard. You can move videos around, publish, and you're done. And it turns, makes the collaborative video making process wow. from painful to painless. That's, and, that's um, so amazing. It's a living eulogy. And, and if you think about it, if you're someone, like one of our really good friends is in the hospital right now, just got part of his brain biopsy and we're terrified. And we did a big tribute video for him and it got him through the hospital. Um, one of our best friends just died climbing Mount Everest um, this past year oh, wow. during the World Nepal earthquake. And uh, we did like a two hour tribute for his family. Um, you know, birthdays, weddings, you know, oh, you name it, retirements, graduations. I mean, it's the absolute most life uh, validating thing you can do for someone. That's phenomenal. And, yeah. um, it's like when someone's like, Hey man, you're great. You're like, whatever. When someone's like, no man, 
like you really mean a lot for me. You're like, yeah. Okay. But if 25 people over like, in one go tells you how why they love you and how you've impacted their life, it's undeniable. It's overwhelming. It's yeah. undeniable. And he has this thing called the TOJ index tears of joy index Aww. and he has like an 80 to 90 percent tears of joy rating like mm. people crying tears of joy re- re- receiving the tribute and and you can, you can get it as a digital download for 25 bucks you can get it um you can get it uh, a beautiful usb like a wooden carved usb in a beautiful black box oh, for an wow. extra 20 bucks or you can get a beautiful lcd screen or you can do a concierge tribute where you literally send an email to tribute with email addresses and they take care of everything for you for 125 bucks. Wow. So it's like compared to like going to a production company do that for $10,000 yeah. or mm-hmm. for like if you're going to like a convention center and trying to get testimonials. Like it's it's it literally costs 25 bucks. Yeah, yeah. To maximum $125. It's just like a no-brainer and what he's trying to build is like the hallmark for the digital age which is really cool that's phenomenal i'm really proud of him yeah that's phenomenal because that's that's the thing too is like how do we how do we let technology enable us to get closer together to share gratitude exactly to be to see glass have fall to 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 feel like to feel validated in the world to feel like seen um how to use technology for that absolutely and I guess speaking to thoughts on Andrew, what's next for you after, you know, the runaway success of people pulling their pants down to express yeah. their gratitude and appreciation for you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so so the next the next thing product I'm working on under under the Thinks umbrella is called Icon and um, mm. Icon is our pee proof underwear. Mm. And basically right now, one in three wom- women at some point in their lives will experience what you call light bladder leakage or urinary incontinence. And, you know, if you're pregnant or post-pregnant or as you age, you start to lose a little bit of bladder control. And it just mm-hmm. happens to most most people. But one in three women, especially, especially when you're post-pregnant or pregnant, you experience that. And it's, again, there's shame around it. There's stigma attached to it. It just sucks. And the offerings that exist right now are depends or poise or like pads mm-hmm. or liners. Or you feel like you're wearing a diaper. Or it feels like you're wearing a diaper and it just sucks. And so again, like one of the things that we always want to make women feel is like themselves fully in their power, fully expressed. And if you feel like you're wearing a diaper, you don't feel like you're in your power. Yeah. And so what we've created is a pair of underwear, just like things, but has separate technology. What Icon does is it's underwear that looks and feels like a regular pair of underwear. Again, it's moisture wicking. It's fast drying because more urine comes out. It's odorless. It's leak-proof. It's absorbent. absorbs 25 milliliters of, of urine. But again, it looks and feels like a regular pair of underwear. So it, it's amazing. And then for every Icon underwear sold, we are funding the fish. We're helping fund fistula operations. Mm-hmm. Right now, fistula is basically when, when women try to give birth, sometimes they rip a hole in their urinary canal um, or their bladder. And it can be a very quick and easy sewing up of that. And you go back to your life. But in the developing world... If you rip a hole in your bladder, you basically end up peeing yourself for the rest of your life and you end up getting shunned from your family, disowned by your husbands, and um, and you get sequestered to these fistula camps left to die. Oh, and goodness. again, when you think about it, like that literally could have been our life. That could have been your my like real like reality and it's and it's not because we're so lucky. So we really wanna address again like issues that humans are facing down there. And then most recently I'm working on a project called Tushy, which I'm the founder on, but I brought in an incredible CEO and COO and designer and and team, and we have an awesome team. And I've been working on it quietly for the last two and a half years um, Mm. on my free time. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means. Yeah. Um, And uh, I've been obsessed with bidets my whole life. I'm half Japanese, and, uh, and I always wondered why our bums are the only part of our body we clean with paper. 
you know, it's no wonder that there are 20 plus million combined cases of urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids and yeast infections per year and counting. You know, you're wiping, you're basically smearing poop up your butt and you're sitting on that the whole day. Like that's not clean. Like I don't Mm -hmm. understand how people do that and think that that's okay. And we live in a Purell society where people are germaphobes and yet they just sit on shit all day. I don't even (laughs) get it. So it's just like, yeah, can we elevate the way Americans have been wiping their butts since 1890? Toilet paper was brought to America in 1890. And you look at actual the wastefulness and the environmental mm-hmm. hazard of toilet paper. I'll give you some facts. You know that it requires, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. How many <laughs> gallons of water are required to make a single roll of toilet paper? A single roll. Hmm. Just guess. A hundred? No, not a hundred. Thirty-seven gallons of water to make a single roll of toilet paper. But think about it. Okay. 30, Thirty-seven gallons of water to pie. make to make a roll of toilet paper. That's crazy. Okay. Um, on average, uh, what's the average number of sheets of toilet paper that the average American uses per day? I know the answer for this because I you read do. one of the articles. So, Lily, you should ask. Oh, God. <laughs> The average American? How, how many, many sheets of toilet paper does the average American use per day? Like, I don't know, 15? 57. What? 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. Really? Do you know how many trees get chopped down per day to make toilet paper? Per, per, per year. Give me, give me, if for year. Americans, for Americans, how many trees are get chopped down per year to make toilet paper? Sounds like a case question, right? How many trees? I'll just tell you, truck? 15 million. 15 million? 15 million trees. It's like the, it's a, it's like the equivalent of Central Park every single day. Oh, my goodness. To do a lesser than job. Yeah. Right? That's causing major nether region problems. And we call it GBS, gross butt syndrome. And, you know, billions of gallons of bleach, trillions of gallons of water, 15 million trees. These are, these are, these are all for a commodities business that doesn't work that was brought to this country in 1890. Can we as human beings innovate? We look at our cell phones. Our cell phones, like we have more access to information today than the president did less than 10 years ago. The fact that we're still having these ailments because Mm -hmm. of something that's cultural is a shame. And so so it's very, very exciting that we get to now bring what I call the very, America's first bidet attachment Mm -hmm. to America that's high design, that's actually relevant to today's design considered world mm. um it's not a toilet bidet thing that sits next to your toilet but it simply clips onto your existing toilet it comes with a splitter and a hose takes less than 10 minutes to install there's no plumbing no electrical required and turns mm. every toilet into a bidet and we also have the world's first black and gold bidet Oh, because everyone needs bling <laughs> a little blinged out throne of personal hygiene yeah. never hurt anyone it costs between 57 and 74 dollars for the white and silver one and for the black and gold it's 67 and 84 it's just like so affordable for like what it's gonna do for you it's like a no-brainer basically yeah, no. if you don't do it you're disgusting. That's, that, that's literally how you <laughs> that's feel. That's the culture that we should just create here. Yeah, you, right? you're gross. Yeah, yeah. You could take a leaf from like the Febreze marketing. Have you heard about this? Like where they, they like brought it into people's homes as like a routine. Yeah, this is vintage now. This is vintage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there are no ifs, ands, or buts around getting the day. I guess, Mickey, we know we've taken a lot of your time today, but before you go... What is one piece of advice that you have either for us, for someone who's listening to stay in the business of being awesome? Um, I mean, I always say like doing cool shit requires doing. 
<laughs> we have to do. We have to like literally take an action every single day. And I think if people are as good at doing as they are at talking, then we would have a very productive, active world. But it's very, very easy to talk, very easy to complain, very easy to bitch, you yeah. know, and moan. And versus putting your head down and just hustling and working and taking actions every day because people will notice if you mm. do well if you do better and if you're humble through it and um, and you earn your stripes I, I think that's a really important thing it just take a positive action every day towards the thing that as sam horn says turns the light on in your eyes yeah that's very <coughs> very beautifully said that's something that we you know, we're trying to do (laughs) as we work on this podcast. But yeah, and got this fancy audio set up. So this is the first time we're doing something about it. (laughs) Good job. It's very fancy. took way too long to set up. So (laughs) fancy. Yeah. So something that we like to ask all of our awesome guests is what is your power song? Power segment. Power segment. What's that song that really like gets you pumped up and sort of like your exit song, right? Like mic drop. Right. Mickey well, has left the building. Yeah, or intro song for the series about your life. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm finding strength within myself while growing this business. And so I've been listening to a song called Sparta by Ten Walls. It's about okay. the Spartan warriors, um, the 300. <laughs> beat down the whole army of <laughs> the hundreds of thousands yeah i'm feeling i that song the song sparta by 10 walls is a, is a good one right now because it just fires me up um there's also just some yoga mantras that are really important there's one that's called ramadasa which is really good mantra based kirtan style like sing-along yoga which I've been listening to kind of on repeat to like chill myself out. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think a combination of Sparta and, and <laughs> Ramadasa is like a pretty, uh, a pretty nice contrast. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And we were doing some, something else you like to do, the Japanese. Yes. My Radio Taiso, as we say, I sent you the link. Um, Japanese calisthenics, seven minutes every morning, every Japanese person whether you're in school, whether you're in work, whether you're on the Toyota line, whether you are, whether you're literally, whether you're like Such in the fields, like an old person doing like whatever you're doing, Reggio Taiso. It's a, it's, it's every Japanese person does this on a daily basis. It's like brushing your teeth. Mm. So I do it on a daily basis. I've been doing this on a daily basis for like pretty much my whole life. And it's, it, the point of it is to lubricate every joint in your body. It's Japanese calisthenics. And it's just, you're doing these weird swinging motions and like you're just slapping your knees, slapping your knees around. <laughs> you're waking yourself up and, um, and you break a little sweat. I'm not gonna lie. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it really just wakes you up and wakes, wakes up your organs and, and all your joints feel really, that's why Japanese people are like live till they're like 200 years old. Which, by the way, Bless my great-great-great-grandfathers are samurais. There is a sword Whoa. in my family, wow. which makes me half samurai. Whoa. That Don't mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll certainly take that practice with us. <laughs> moving forward. And thank you so much, Mickey, for, for taking the time. Of course. And I would say, very important, that when you do check out the websites, shethinks.com, to iconundies.com, Com, and when you go to Tushy, go to Tushy.me because Tushy.com is a porn site. Thank you. Yes, we found that out yesterday. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> now they'll be retargeting you, so yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks to Mickey Agarwal for teaching us the importance of 
turning the taboo into something that can change the world. Thanks, Mickey. Thank you. Once again was Mickey Agarwal, social entrepreneur, taboo breaker, and magic maker for women around the world. And as usual, we've got some bazooka bullets for you before you go. Number one. Doing cool stuff requires doing, not just talking about doing. Number two. Be sure to surround yourself with people that support you in reaching your wildest dreams. They'll keep you grounded and sane along the way. And number three. When starting a business, it's cool to build something to help yourself but it's really awesome to build something that also helps others. That's where you can change the world. Yes, you. Yes. And again, before we go, we'd like to leave you with a quote of awesome for the week. In this case, we've got a quote relevant to the work of next episode's guest, MIT Sloan professor, the legendary Zainab Tan. Seriously, she's probably one of the most universally adored faculty members at school. Found this on the internet this week and thought it was really powerful for what we're going to be doing in the finale. And the quote is, uh, when you treat people like animals, they become animals, ones that don't obey you. When you treat people like machines, they become machines, never thinking of anything on their own, always waiting for your input. But when you treat people like people, they become people. Yeah, I love it. I love her philosophy on, you know, treating employees and treating your customers well Mm -hmm. as a means of creating and driving value. And that is what she, you know, relentlessly teaches us in our management of services class. And you can find more nuggets of wisdom like this as well in her research and her book, The Good Jobs Strategy. Yeah. And before you go, aside from getting excited for our finale, if you haven't already, please, please search, subscribe, and review uh, The Business of Being Awesome on SoundCloud or iTunes. Get connected with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bizoba Podcast, and follow our amazing Spotify playlist when you need to get pumped up with some Bizoba power songs. And yeah, as we said, next episode is our last for season two, so take some time to catch up and binge listen or podcast and chill or whatever however you do it yeah (laughs) it's all good good. Um, and again we'd love to hear who you think is hashtag busy being awesome on the air just hashtag busy being awesome and hashtag bazova and we'll read them out in the next episode and again you can always email us at bazobapodcast at gmail.com with ideas for future episodes, love notes, and feedback for improvement. We really want to hear from you. Yeah, so until next time, stay tuned for the finale on May 16th. Get social with us at Bizoba Podcast and stay in the business of being awesome. Hashtag Bizoba.